Merry Christmas. We hope you are having a wonderful Christmas morning. Today, we are concluding the broadcast of last year's Christmas message. So let's listen in now to Pastor Dave. Indeed, the very idea of peace on earth, proclaimed by the angels upon Christ's birth, echoed by the church bells he heard on Christmas Day, seemed like a terrible joke to him. And so on Christmas Day in 1863, with the American Civil War still raging, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote a poem called Christmas Bells. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Today we know these words. It was inspired by Longfellow. We know it as, I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Two of Longfellow's verses usually aren't sung in this song, and it refers to the Civil War. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if the earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent. A made forlorn, the household born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Longfellow's next verse, which does not appear in the song, may be the saddest words of any Christmas carol. They reflect the misery of a man who absolutely at that time felt no hope whatsoever. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong. And mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Fortunately, this poem, this song doesn't end there. And somehow, the Christmas bells that morning, something rang true in Longfellow himself of a deeper truth. So he's able to finish by saying this. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. I love that. He found something deeper in the midst of all that. It's one of my favorite carols, and it is full of hope. And I think about our own lives and how we think or how we go through quite a bit that in our own lives when things go wrong and we have despair, The despair of a loss of a loved one, it could be that this is your very first Christmas with the loss of that loved one, and that hurts, that's painful. It could be a life-threatening disease you're going through right now. This might be your last Christmas. That's tough, that's difficult, that's painful. The despair of a, a marriage that maybe has gone south, we're here for hope with that, to pray for you, to come alongside of you. It could be that someone has drifted off into isolation, somebody that you know very, very well, and it's concerning to you. There's the despair of of work, or maybe lack thereof, and the despair of something going on at work, and you can't seem to solve the problem. It could be that you feel like your life in itself is going nowhere. It's, it's, It's not what you envisioned it to be. You could feel the despair of not being able to break free from that sin that encompasses you. 
Longfellow's dark cloud began to lift when he chose to focus on the fact that God is alive. He's alive. And he sent peace through his son. We might not see that peace on earth that so many people long for, but this is the problem. The problem is they're looking for peace on earth. When peace on earth was sent, when God sent his son. See, the reason there is peace on earth, goodwill to men that was able to be proclaimed, because peace is in a person. When Jesus was sent, there was peace on earth. Guess what? There's still peace on earth because Jesus is where? In us. But you won't find peace in the earth, but you will find peace in the people that have the Prince of Peace here on this earth. If you look for it here on the earth, well, you're going to be disappointed because we do have wars and we have violence. We have all sorts of horrible things. And the reason is because the heart of man remains unchanged. But we can experience that peace in our hearts when we put our faith and trust in God who created the universe. I think the kind of peace Longfellow finally experienced was that he found it in the person of Jesus Christ. It's the same truth that the biblical character Job kind of finally understood when he just bowed before the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And then he says, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Stop trying to figure out how the world is supposed to be and instead realize God has already figured it out and put your trust in him. Put your trust in him. It was Christmas Eve of 1871. The French were engaged in a fierce conflict with Germany during the Franco-Prussian War. A young unarmed soldier moved, no doubt by the thoughts of the true meaning of Christmas, came out of a relative safety of his bunker, began to sing a carol that was popular among the French people. As the brave Frenchman emerged in sight of the enemy and began to sing aloud the words from, O holy night, strange thing happened. The war stopped for a while. After the Frenchman finished singing the carol, a German soldier emerged, started singing a different carol in his own language. The exchange of Christmas songs had an immediate impact on everyone. Fighting among the soldiers stopped for the next 24 hours in the honor of Christmas. And let's not forget what that means. Merry Christmas. Merry, remember, um, you know, uh, Robin Hood and his merry men. Okay, merry meant great back then. It also means joyful. So merry means great or joyful. Christ anointed one. And then Mass. If any of you were raised Catholic like I was, you understand that you cannot have Mass without the Eucharist, which speaks of Christ's sacrifice. So when you say Merry Christmas, it's great is Christ's sacrifice. And so here, this war stops for the next 24 hours in honor of Christmas, an honor of Christ's sacrifice. The war stops. The French soldier and the German soldier in their own way invited God to visit that awful battlefield that night. And the same God that sent his only begotten son to the world to heal the sins of the wounded humanity 
and who sent his angels to the shepherds in the field to announce peace and goodwill from the heart of God to fallen mankind brought a time of peace in the midst of a very brutal and tragic war. Over the 30 plus years that I've been pastoring the family of God, the church, I've seen many tragedies. I've seen many sickness. I've seen disease. I've seen, you know, um, uh, people die. I've seen the death of children. I've seen financial hardships, all sorts of things. People walk away from their faith. We have many prodigals that we've been praying for. We've seen a lot. And so we will always come to the crossroads of our faith when things in our life don't seem to be going the way that we think that it should be going. And it's during those times that we need to stop and we need to look at peace, the person of peace, the person of Jesus who was sent to us so we can have peace in the midst of when things sometimes seem so chaotic. I want you to go to Luke chapter 2. Let's read here what kind of what we've been talking about. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, that all the works should be registered. The census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea. To the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was one of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with, with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And so know that even though it was Caesar Augustus, okay, through Quirinius and and wanting to have a decree uh, that uh, everybody needs to be, you know, to have this census to take place. This is what made Joseph and Mary that were in Nazareth, this is what uh, released them to be able to go to Bethlehem. Because that's where they need to go to be registered. And so some would look at that and be able to go, you know what, this is what caused him to get to Bethlehem, where we read in Micah 2, uh, 5, 2, is the place where the Messiah is to be born. But God is the one that is in control of everything. God is the one that put it on Augustus' heart to have this decree and to take this census and everything else. God's the one that put that on his heart. God is the one that moved Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem at this time. And so they're still betrothed at this time. They're still engaged at this time. They haven't gotten married at this time, okay? And we're told here that as they were there, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. She brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We don't have time this morning to discuss everything that's going on there, but the very first place they went to, there was no room for them. There's no room for them. So they had to make do somewhere else, and they went to a place that had a manger, 
Okay, this is where animals eat out of. So it's a very, very humble place wherever they ended up. And a manger, if you go to Israel with us, you'll see that these are stone. They're made out of stone. They're not wood and, you know, oh, isn't that cute? It's a wood little. No, it's made out of stone. Now, I have no doubt that they put softer things in there before they went, you know, and laid them in there. Okay, but it, but it isn't made out of wood. It's made out of stone. And so as that is happening, something glorious is also happening. Right here in verse 8, now they were in the same country. Shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. It's what you always want an angel to say to you if he appears. Do not be afraid. Good, because I'm petrified right now. They're very intimidating, okay? Very glorious, very powerful. And so, yes, you would be very afraid and cower in their presence. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. This is awesome. Which will be to some people. Is that what your Bible says? No. To all people. It's not just good news for the Jews. It's good news for all people, the Gentiles included. For there is born to you this day, to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. Well, you only need a Savior if you need to be saved from something. The word Savior is solterre, and it means deliverer. You have to be delivered from something. Well, what would that be? Well, we're told in in Matthew's account that when the angel showed up to uh, Joseph, he says, hey, look, yes, Mary is with child by the Holy Spirit. And guess what? You're going to name this son uh, of yours Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You're given a savior to be saved from what? Your sins. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if we remain in our sins, we're told that we will be condemned because of that. You're never, you're never condemned by being born in sin. You're only condemned by remaining in your sin. A deliverer was sent. A present given by God. And he is Jesus Christ the Lord. He is your Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths. There's your gift right there. Just like you wrapped gifts, this gift has been wrapped as well in swaddling cloths. Lying there in a manger. And suddenly there was with this angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, good will toward men. The peace is in the person. Peace has been given to humanity in a person. This is God's goodwill towards us. This gift. This peace. God's word makes it very, very clear that with Longfellow, he shows this here. 
that in that morning on December morning in 1863, he recognized this. Longfellow recognized this. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. Christmas reminds us that God demonstrated his goodness to us and his sovereignty by sending his son to live on earth to pay the penalty for our sin that we could experience true peace with God. In Romans 5, 8, it tells us that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. God reached down to a world of despair, gave it hope. Longfellow's other stanza reads this, Then ringing and singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime. For those of you who don't understand sublime, grand, lofty, exalted. The highest and greatest news is being spoken of here, of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It's an amazing song. Longfellow in the midst of his own personal tragedy in the midst of war realized God had already given the answer of all the tragedies ever seen it's in a person it's in Jesus he is our peace it's him that you will have peace in Micah 5 verse 2 where all this took place in Bethlehem we read this but you Bethlehem Ephratah though you are little among the thousands of Judah Yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. Bethlehem means house of bread. Ephratah means fruitfulness. Ephratah was what was known before it was called Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a very interesting place in Scripture. The very first time it was mentioned is in Genesis 35, 16. It's a place that was closest to where Rachel died and was buried. Rachel died giving birth to Benjamin. But Benjamin was first called by his mother, Ben-Oni, which means son of sorrow. It would be Jacob that gives him the name Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. Both speaks of Jesus. Jesus is a man of sorrows. According to Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 53, verse 3, he is despised, rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Jesus is also the son of God's right hand, Colossians 3, 1. If you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. That's amazing news. That's glorious news. On that solemn night over 2,000 years ago, on the hillsides of Bethlehem, this news was delivered, this sublime, it was grand. In London, there was a convent, a monastery, called St. Mary's of Bethlehem that was founded in the mid-1200s. It was founded to care for the poor and disabled in the community in London. It eventually became England's first mental institution of insane asylum. Over the years, the name shortened from Bethlehem to Bethlehem, which eventually became Bedlam. By the mid-1600s, this place became an institution of hellish proportions. There were cells containing chains and shackles, beatings and other torturous activities took place there. 
It became a place where you could hear the nonstop screaming, uncontrolled noise, utter chaos within the walls of this former abbey. Visitors would pay to observe naked chained patients who were often screaming, crying, cursing, ranting, and raving. These lunatics were acting like animals. These broken souls became London's entertainment. This is where the word Bedlam came from. Out of a name that used to be Bethlehem. Interesting. It's fascinating. There's a real Bethlehem, which speaks of peace. And then there's a false Bethlehem that speaks of chaos. Absolute chaos. There's a true Bethlehem, there's a false one. And the false one is Bedlam. There's a true Christmas story and there's a false one. I would submit to you that the true Christmas story that teaches you about the prince of peace, of peace and the gift from God in his son Jesus is the true Christmas. But the Christmas that, that leads you around and makes you more anxious and makes you uh, more chaotic and confusing, that's the false one. And you're experiencing Bedlam, not Bethlehem. It is God's word that he brings peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It does not bring anxiety, does not bring chaos. It is not Bedlam. It is the true Christmas story, the birth of the Savior that took place on the, on the hills there of Bethlehem with the shepherds were gathered. Micah, the prophet, prophesied that Bethlehem was to be the birthplace of the Messiah, the one true ruler. Now, it's interesting to me that we're not told how long Rachel lived before she died giving birth to her son. Okay, we're not told any of that but when she did give birth it's interesting to me she said ben oni child of sorrow and then all of a sudden became benjamin son of my right hand and jesus did suffer sorrow he was raised to god's right hand but you bethlehem eprata though you're little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old and from everlasting. Bethlehem was supposed to be the place of the birth of Messiah, and indeed it was. This ruler who is to come to rule in Israel has been spoken from everlasting. And so it is here in Luke that we see the fulfillment of over 1,500 years of prophecy. So then Bethlehem is very significant here. It's a promise. It should speak of life. It should speak of life. When those shepherds were told to go to Bethlehem to see this sight, to see the good news, to see the glad tidings of great joy, they realized the scriptures that were told long, long before in the prophet Micah. Bethlehem was always spoken of as that's the place the Messiah was to be born. The Christ, the son of the living God. Bethlehem means house of bread. Bread is what you feast upon. Bread is what you devour in order to stay alive. You've heard it said you can bring a horse to water. You can't force it to drink. Same thing. You can bring someone to the hills of Bethlehem. But you can't force them to partake of the bread. But that bread is the person of Jesus Christ who calls himself the bread of life. Today is December 25th. Now, whether Jesus was actually born on the 25th or some other day, not really that important. 
What is important is that we recognize the birth of our Savior. It is a time when we reflect on the good news that today a Savior has been born. Today a Savior has been given. And he is Christ the Lord. A house. house of bread. A house is where you dwell. A place that protects you from the elements of the world. The house of bread, Bethlehem, will protect you from vain and empty philosophies of the world. One should dwell in the house of bread, feast on Jesus. Remember, it speaks of fruitfulness. And that comes from eating of the bread of life. Dwelling in the house of bread, feasting on Jesus, which will bring fruitfulness in your life. The question is, where do you dwell here today? Do you dwell in the house of bread where you feast upon the person of Jesus Christ because he is your peace? Or are you you feasting on the bedlam that's out there? The chaos, the empty philosophies, the things that don't lead to life and they certainly don't lead to peace. Jesus is here today. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And he's with us here today. There are some here today, you have issues. There is something going on in your life, and yet you were invited here. And you were excited when you first got here and go, oh, cool, cartoons. All right, but we go deeper than that. Okay. It's all about the person of Jesus. We're here to bring you to him. Let's pray. Let's pray. 